Well, good morning, church family. How are we doing? Good. Well, it is so good to gather with you. If we haven't met, my name is Carlos, and I am so excited about Easter. Easter is less than 40 days away. Can we celebrate that? Yes. And you know what I'm excited about is, you know, I don't know if you notice the times, but they're slightly delayed, which means everyone's going to be on time this year. I know what some of you are thinking, watch me, challenge taken, right? <laughs> no, here's how we feel about Easter. We know that it is an incredible time to introduce someone to the, uh, our faith family. And so we want you right now already praying and thinking, and most importantly, preparing to invite someone to one of our three Easter gatherings. And we want you to be doing this. Why? Because we believe that in the resurrected Jesus, we find all that we're looking for and more. Amen? And we want every single person to experience, at least have an opportunity to respond to the Jesus reality. And so, really, consider it. Invite someone because truly, what's the worst that can happen? <laughs> right? How many uh, movie, movie buffs in the house? Any, any fans of the Yes, yes, yes. Man, you guys are readers. These are the reading section right here. Okay, I see you. You hang out in the library. I get it. I respect that. Well, Ilsa and I, we occasionally will sit down and watch a movie. Um, and, um, and we just watched one that, that kind of was, was a surprisingly good film. And it's uh, one that you may have watched. It's called King Richard. How many of you watched King Richard? King Richard? Yeah? Okay. Three and a half of you. Awesome. Okay, we're going to really connect here, Nick, you and I. Um, well, here, here's what you need to know about King Richard. It's actually inspired by the real-life events of Venus and Serena Williams. Are those names familiar to you? Yeah, right? Tennis legends. Um, however, this movie really is about the dad, hence the title, King Richard. Uh, the father of Venus and Serena, his name is Richard Williams. And let me tell you, as I was watching this, maybe it's you know, the, the girl-dad connection, but I was just so inspired by this father portrayed uh, by uh, William, um, Will Smith, not William Smith, not William Smith, yeah, Will Smith. Um, and, and just the way he was so determined to give his girls the best chance at making it to the sport of tennis. Now, if you know the story, they faced tons of obstacles, and it really kind of started at home. They grew up in Compton, California, where they experienced forms of, of crime and violence and poverty. And not only that, the sport they were trying to get into was predominantly white, and that was a racial barrier for them as an all-black family. But in this film, you're going to see that Richard didn't allow any of these things to stop him. I mean, he was audacious with one goal, and that goal was this. He was going to find his daughters a professional coach. And not only that, he was going to find this coach to do it for free. Isn't that incredible? Right? And so he spends hours practicing with them, filming those practices, and then sending those videos as recruitment videos for coaches to see and hopefully take a visit so that he can make this pitch, would you coach my daughters because they're special? And what do you think he encounters? Lots of no's, right? Lots of no's. Well, uh, spoiler alert, the girls become professional tennis players. Right? <laughs> you don't know? Yeah. So what that means is they, they, they actually get a coach. And um, 
And not only did they get a coach, but Venus first, uh, she begins to play in her first professional match. And there's this one scene where Richard is having a conversation with the younger daughter, Serena, who hasn't had the same opportunity. And it's my favorite scene, so I wanted to show it to you. Check it out. It's me. Come on. I know you love Venus, and all this is exciting, but it's a little hard for you too, huh? Can I tell you a secret? Your sister is going to be number one in the whole world, no doubt about it. I know that. But you, you're going to be the best it ever was. You're going to be the greatest of all time. You know how I know? Because I planned for it. I knew you was having a hard time in Venus's shadow, but I kept you there because I knew you was raw. I knew you was tough. I knew you was a fighter. That's why I did this whole thing like this. Go and take that in. You up next. Man, wow. Yes, we can celebrate that. That was good. That was good acting. Yeah. You know, I was thinking Will Smith's acting always slaps, doesn't it? It's just really good. Just really good. (laughs) That was not in the notes. That was not the spirit. That was flesh. Um, Here, let's get back. to why I just showed you that scene. This story, which is, which is a good movie, oh. it illustrates the length at which every parent would go to give their child their perceived best. And, and that truly is the operating principle for this parenting series, this discussion that we're inviting us to be on. And it's this, it's that parents want to give the best to their children. That is what we fundamentally believe. And Jesus actually speaks um, to this desire for every parent when he says in Matthew 7 the following words, you parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you who are sinful people, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Now, for those of us familiar with this teaching, we know that the emphasis of this teaching really is our comparative goodness to God, what Jesus is saying, man, if you can be good, man, you just, God, our Father, is so much better But in saying this, Jesus is pointing out this natural desire that we all see and parents all feel, and that's that at a minimum, we at least don't want to withhold what's good for our children. And every parent in the room say amen. Amen, right? And so parents, here's what I believe. Here's what we believe. When it comes to your children, you want to give them your best. That's where we start. 
And so what I want to do, I want to, for a moment, speak to all the students in the room, right? All the students. I want to share with you uh, something that I wrote down. Okay, I'm going to have to read it to you. It says this. I know it may not feel like it, but your parents are trying to give you their best. And you might not be vibing with your parents' parenting right now. You might, be, you might feel like they're acting all main character. Or maybe you think they're mid or at best basic. <laughs> that a lot of what they say and do is really sus. But as you get a little older, I'm telling you, their ways are going to hit different. So don't be bougie and ghost them right now because that will be a big yikes. No cap, fam. Bet. Seen in. That's an acting right. For those of you who were confused with some of that language, you just experienced a Gen Z missionary moment. I became all things to all teenagers. Right? Gen Z would describe that as cringe, okay, just so you know. Yeah, yeah. That's what was happening in this first row, right? They were, I was feeling that. But back to the parents. Um, and when, when I use the word parents, I really, I'm really thinking about any caring adult, anyone who cares about the next generation, whether that be a grandparent or an aunt, or if you're like me, a funkle, a fun uncle, right? Yeah, any fun, funkles in the house? Yeah. Um, we want to give our parents their best. And when it comes to those of us who believe in Jesus, the Christian parent, um, we, we want something very specific, and it's this. We want our children and our grandchildren to become what we are. We want them to be followers of Jesus. We want them to be Christians. We want them to be the saints and not the ain'ts. Amen? There's a little, little something for you. If you want to rattle a room next time you go into it, just say, what up, saints and ain'ts? Right? Don't do that. That's very divisive. That's a joke. Okay? No, all parents, you, you can relate to what Paul says in, in uh, Acts 26. He says this after sharing his faith with, with the courtroom. He says this, short time or long, I pray to God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today become what I am, except these chains, all right? And so parents, not only do we want our children to follow our footsteps in the faith, but here's what we really want. We want them to have a better faith than ours. We want them to be better Christians than us, right? We want our children to have authentic, robust, well-constructed, around-the-clock, fully sustainable faith in Jesus. That is what every Christian parent wants for their child. And to make this painfully, uh, this point that's painfully obvious, this is a good desire. Parents, hear me out. That is a good desire. You should want that. Why? Because we know that nothing is better than following Jesus. When we talk about giving our best as believers, Jesus is our best. And if we can offer that to anyone, especially our kids, that feeds our soul. And so when we, when we desire this, we're, we're really aligning ourselves 
with Jesus and the Bible? Because in 1 Timothy 2.4, it says very plainly, friends, God wants everyone to be saved and to fully understand the truth. Notice God's big heart for all people. And so um, what does every Christian parent want for their kids? It's this authentic, robust, well-constructed, around-the-clock, fully sustainable faith in Jesus. It is that simple, but here's the challenge. Parents want to give the best for their children. We just don't always know how. Can we be honest with you younger people in the room? We don't have it all figured out. We still have tons of questions of what it means to follow Jesus today. And so the problem is not the what. I don't think I need to convince many of you about the what, about what's best. The challenge is the practice. The challenge is the how. How do we nurture the kind of faith in the next generation that will ultimately become their own and endure for the rest of their lives and get this, get passed on to the following generation after them? Wouldn't you want to be a part of that story? So the question is how? Well, I I believe that we can begin by one simple question, and it has to do with the roles and responsibilities. It's this. What is a parent's role in shaping the faith of their child? That's the question I'm asking myself as a parent of a three-year-old. What is my role in shaping the faith of Charlie Joy's um, personal faith? Now, why this question? Because um, role, it gives great clarity. Um, It gives you a clear definition of what you are responsible for. And sometimes when we're thinking about responsibility, I believe it's helpful to identify what we're not responsible for. Are you tracking with me? Like, that could be helpful. And here's what I want to tell every caring adult um, in the room. It's this. You are not responsible for the salvation of your child. Can we all take a deep breath of relief there? (sighs) Isn't that freeing? Friends, that is good news. To every parent, grandparent, um, caring aunt and uncle, please, please understand that the saving is for Jesus. Let him do that work. He is perfectly qualified and has a great track record of saving humanity. Right? And so that is good news. Not only is he good at it, that's what he desires. Right? And so, parents... We are responsible for a whole bunch of stuff, but the actual saving of our children is not in our hands. And I know that that's a hard pill to swallow, especially those of us who enjoy control. Anyone in the room? Right? You like your coffee a certain way? Right? Well, Here's what I'm not convinced of, and and, um, I am not convinced that this this word of being saved, or I am not convinced that getting our child saved should ultimately ultimately be the goal. Because here's what I believe. Jesus didn't die on the cross. 
He didn't give death a beatdown just so that we can be saved. Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the dead so that you and I can be welcomed into his kingdom and become a co-laborer in the kingdom that he is bringing down from heaven to earth. In other words, we are saved to be on mission with Jesus as he's redeeming all of creation for his own glory. You see how that's so much more than just being saved. And so um, we know that the finish line for anyone that we care about is not saying a specific prayer or getting baptized. We know that the finish line really isn't a finish line. It's more of a way of life, a lifestyle that's rooted in a personal relationship with God that grows and matures to become more and more like one person, and his name is Jesus. You know, one of my favorite authors, John Mark Comer, would say that the goal is to become an apprentice, a student under Jesus, and do three things. Be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do as Jesus did. And so if that's the goal for us, that should be the goal for our children. So how can we then help our children or the next generation to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do as Jesus did? Well, it may be helpful to have this reminder that you are not the Savior, but you're definitely a sample. You're not their Savior, but you're their sample. Here's here's. Um, what I mean by that, um, we can be a sample to the next generation of what it looks like, sounds like, feels like to follow Jesus. In other words, you and I have this privileged position to invite our children to taste and see that the Lord is good. When you think about your role, think weekends at Costco, You can be that sweet older lady that's inviting you to give it a try. It's freshly made, and it's on sale, right? Anyone else just cannot walk past that lady? She's 100% with me. And so we can do this by, by... practicing and prioritizing our own, our own habits of spiritual formation towards becoming like Jesus. And this is truly our ultimate how for parents and grandparents and all caring adults is this. Your own spiritual formation is the greatest gift to your child's spiritual formation. Do you see that? This is what the Bible describes as follow me as I follow Christ. That's what we get to do for the next generation. We get to live in a way that says, follow me as I follow Christ. And so when it comes to shaping the faith of the next generation, I want us to go old school, at least for me, old school elementary. I want us to go to show and tell. You guys remember show and tell? Can we bring back show and tell teachers, right? Those are some good times, right? I wonder who brought something to end that. I don't know if that's happening anymore, but someone did something radical, right? So what we want to end with today is five ways we can show and tell that comes from the wisdom of of the book that we are exploring by Andy and Sandra Stanley. So I want to give you their five practical ways 
of how. So the first one is this, if you're taking notes, emphasize a personal relationship with God. Keyword, personal relationship. Here's what the Stanleys write in their book. Direct your children's attention to God's will for their lives as an important first step in helping them develop a relationship with their heavenly father and therefore create accountability to their heavenly father. Here's what they suggest. Tell your children often this, God has a plan for your life and you don't want to miss it. I feel like all of us need to hear that every day, right? I want you to hear that. God has a plan for your life. And believe me when I say, you do not want to miss out on God's plan. And when we, we do this by, um, or the Stanleys, they, they did this by sharing a very simple early prayer that they taught to their kids. And it was this, dear Heavenly Father, please show me your will for my life. Think about that. Imagine kids growing up praying that way. Dear Heavenly Father, dear Abba, please show me your will for my life. Man, you can turn that into, God, tell me what to do today. God, show me how to relate today. God, guide me in this decision today. God, let the Warriors make a comeback and make the playoffs this season, right? Help me out in praying that, family, please. (laughs) The second thing is teach your children to pay attention to their hearts. This is a big one, at least for me. Teach your children to pay attention to their hearts. Now, we find teachings uh, in the Gospels where Jesus regards the heart, get this, the heart is more important than monitoring our behavior. The heart is more important than behavior. The ancient book of wisdom, Proverbs, says it this way, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Above all else means this is the most important thing, guard your heart. And so in the book, Parenting, Getting It Right, um, it, it makes the argument that as parents, we gravitate towards questions that have to do more about behavior and performance. Here's what I mean. I brought five for you to consider. These are behavior-focused questions like, did you brush your teeth? Charlie gets that one every night, right? Did you finish your homework? Did you clean your room? How was practice? How did you do on the test? For me growing up, there was one question. It was this, ¿Cómo te fue? Right? It means, how'd it go? How do you think I answered that? Yeah, fine, good, right? And that, that was as far as we got. And so here's, here's what we need to know or be reminded of. Because we care about behavior. Um, we care about you know, the way our children are acting, the way our, the choices our teens are making, of course. But the good news is that when it comes to reinforcing proper behavior... We have tons of help. What do I mean by that? They're teachers. They're coaches. They're kid and youth pastors. 
You got family, friends, and grandparents, and, and aunts, and uncles. They are all helping reinforce positive behaviors, but only you as the parent are in unique position to monitor the heart. And so the Stanley's urge, don't give up what's unique to you for something someone else can do. Focus on the heart. And here's how we can focus on the heart. We can ask questions that address the heart, such as these. Did anyone hurt you today? Are you mad at anyone? Are you worried about anything? Did anyone break a promise to you today? Is there anything you want to tell me, but you're not sure how? Now, this was so revealing to me because if I'm truly honest, and I'm only at age three with my daughter, but if I'm truly honest, these questions are scary. These are scary questions to ask anyone, let alone one of our children. And I think we need to be honest with that. If you're like me, you'd rather keep surface level fun conversation than get into the deeper things with our loved ones. But that is where the formation happens. When we begin to understand our child's heart and our own and our spouses and our friends and we're able to live in that information, in that reality. And so this takes courage to ask these kind of questions. And here's what's important. The questions we most often ask our children communicate what is most important to us and what we are convinced should be most important to them. And so the questions we're asking, they matter. And so we began to help our children shape their faith by addressing what's above all else, and that's their heart health. And here's the good news about that. Final thing I'll say. Their emotional health, their heart health, determines their relational health and ultimately their behavior and performance. You see the full connection there? Number three, pray together in every season. Now, when I think of prayer, I think of Honest, simple prayers that you can pray anytime, anywhere with your children or teens, right? For us right now in our season, it happens at the dinner table. That's a value that Ilsen and I have. We want to have a certain amount of dinners at home, and so Charlie has to come with. She has no choice. And so before every meal, what we do is we reach out, we form a holy triangle, and we give our five to ten second prayer. And it can't be longer because daddy's hungry, right? <laughs> and we do this, and, and it, just, it just happens. And what do you think Charlie's now starting to do? She's starting to reach out. We don't have to tell her. She knows. This is what we do. We talk to God and we thank him for our meal and more. And something beautiful happened the other day. Uh, it wasn't beautiful at the moment, but now it's fun. Um, <laughs> because she started to, just about every two to three minutes, she would put her fork down and reach out. And she wanted to keep praying. And after about the fourth time, I was like, Charlie, you're too holy for me. Chill, right? We got to eat. But it's beautiful to see that she's learning how to pray. You know, there are so many great simple prayers in the Bible that you can just rehearse. You don't have to even make them your own words. 
like the Lord's Prayer or Psalm 23. These are great prayers just to pray. Really recite with your children. Um, and that can be a gift to them because you're now teaching them God's word um, and putting that in their hearts. And that's what happened to me. As I reflect about one of my earliest um, memorizations of scripture happened when I was, um, I think I was probably in my late elementary years and I was having a lot of nightmares. And I was waking up and my mom started to notice that I was struggling with nightmares. And so she came and she taught me this prayer that goes like this. En paz me acostaré y así mismo dormiré porque solo tú, oh Jehová, me haces vivir confiado. Salmos 4, 8. That was Psalms 4, 8. In that prayer, I don't know what, it had to be the Holy Spirit, but that just infused in my heart and I was able to recite that prayer in that season. And what do you think I've been doing ever since? I tap into it. Anytime I feel like I need those words, right, of peace and security, because that's what they are. They're a proclamation of God's peace and security as we sleep and as we live. It ends, because of you, I can live with security. Isn't that amazing to tell yourself that? Thank you, Mama. Thanks, Mom. She gave that to me, right? Number four, be open about your own faith journey. Here's where it gets fun. We can look for opportunities to tell our children about uh, not only you know, our faith story, maybe how it started, but really talk about um, times that our faith informed or even should have informed actions and reactions to things that have happened in our life or even in um, real-world events happening outside of our homes. And so what this does is it gives the next generation opportunity to see the relevance of faith. They get to see how you are applying faith in your life, and you can begin to share those stories, um, and you can be wise about choosing intentional stories that are age-appropriate. As they get older, you can share stories about your past, and they can be enriched by those stories. But don't just limit it to your story or your spouse's story. Expose them to the stories of God's big family, right? And for those of us who are raising teens, because we're talking about spiritual conversations, I just want to quickly offer one resource that was helpful for Ilsin and I as we were youth pastors and we continue to stay plugged in. It's called the Culture Translator. Um, what I love about this is this is an organization that has packaged in seven minutes um, whatever is happening in most American teenagers' world. Really. It hits all the pop trends, all the language that you just heard me spit out, right? All of that stuff gets packaged in a seven-minute email or podcast that actually comes at the end with very good questions about how you can be talking about these things that your teens are immersed in or potentially thinking about it. It is truly a great gift. And here's the good news. You can be in the teen's world without having to spend hours on TikTok. So thank you very much, right? I just saved you a whole bunch of time. We also have a family hub where we have resources that help with having conversations, spiritual conversations, faith conversations with your children. And last but not least, are you ready to land the plane? You guys ready for some popcorn? Okay. Okay. Um, the last thing I want to share, it's, it's, a, it's an important one, and it's this. Prioritize the right church. The right church 
and keep them engaged in it. Now, a good question you should be asking, Carlos, what's the right church for my family? Well, I want to give you a, I want to propose a simple um, measurement of that. Find the church where your youth or kid wants to be. Right? Find the church where they are getting something out of it, where they're excited about going. And if that church isn't this church, find the right church. Because the church you commit to is somewhere your whole family, especially your kids, should want to be at. Now, if you're asking why church, because we all know that you are not, or me as the parent, we are not the only ones shaping the faith of our child. What is shaping the faith of our child are the many communities that we are spending or investing our time or they are choosing to spend and invest their time in. That's what's shaping their faith. And so when they come to the right church, here's what's going to happen. They're going to be surrounded by adults and peers who love Jesus. And what they're going to do is they're going to play and have fun with. They're going to pray and have spiritual conversations with. They're going to teach and learn with. They're going to share their stories of faith and relevance to real-world situations with. And most importantly, what this child or teen is going to get when they come to the right church is they're going to experience the love of Jesus. Amen? And so make the right church a priority. And I realize, I say that acknowledging that this might not be the right church. But can I just tell you that I am very biased towards Evergreen? (laughs) And I have a reason. Because just yesterday, uh, we had a group of, I'm not sure how many, but could have been, you'll see the picture, of fifth and sixth graders who spent a day at Level Up Pinball Arcade Um, And they had an awesome time with their awesome Vortex director, Jordan, Dr. Jordan. Can we celebrate him? (laughs) That man right there, and Bethany, and I know he had a team of leaders with him. Um, But that happened just yesterday. And here's what you also need to know, that tonight our youth are going to begin a 24-hour lock-in. Yeah, 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 where adults are going to lose a bunch of sleep. But they're making that sacrifice because you know what? Students are going to make us lose sleep, period, right? Why not choose the kind of sleep you're going to lose, right? And so they're going to have a lock-in and they're going to have a blast here tonight. And then tomorrow they're going to go for a day at the snow and end with zigzag pizza. I mean, can I come, right? Is that what you're saying? Can I come? And let me tell you why all of this is significant. Um, it's really simple because what we just described, these events, these gatherings, these happenings, these are the things that preteens and teens want to be at. In other words, they want to go, right? And that's important. They want to do the stuff, but here's why we do it. We do it because we know that as they are experiencing their, these events, they are surrounded by healthy teens and young adults and adults 
leading these events, and in those events, they are having faith-shaping relationships, being formed. They are making memories. They are representing what it means to follow Jesus. They're having critical conversations. They are, um, and, and most importantly, what's happening at these events is that the next generation's faith is being open to the way of Jesus. And the faith that we so dearly love and consider the best thing that we can offer humanity is being passed down to the next generation. Isn't that incredible? That's amazing. Yes, we can clap for that. I want to share one more thing of why Evergreen is awesome. <laughs> um, it's because later today, we're going to have over 50 Evergreen parents embark on a six-week study of the material we're covering. And so for the next six weeks, we're going to have uh, 20 to 30 different households that are sharpening their parenting skills, they're forming relationships with other parents, and I believe the fruit of that time together is that our children and our youth are going to be better served. And so can we thank the, the parents that said yes to that? Yep. And so we acknowledge that Evergreen isn't the best at everything. We aren't getting everything right. But what we have predetermined, that if we're going to do one thing right, it's that we are going to serve kids and youth with all that we got. And here's why that's important. That's important because the Bible says that we are to love God and love people, and we are to help people find and follow Jesus here, near, and far. And we have chosen to do that one youth and one child at a time. And we believe that the next 95 years in evergreen history are supposed to be better than the last 95. And we should be asking ourselves, who in 95 years is going to be leading Evergreen? Not the person sitting next to you, let me tell you that, right? <laughs> it's not going to be us. It's going to be our grandchildren's great-grandchildren. We're talking four to five generations from now. So we're asking ourselves, what can we do in this season to set them up for success? Do you see it? And in doing that, friends, what we're doing is we are, we are giving our children a chance to have authentic, robust, well-constructed, around-the-clock, fully sustainable faith in Jesus in future generations. And as we do that, we are, we are accomplishing the Jewish Shema, which I want to close out as we read. And so I'm going to invite you to stand up as I read these words that captivate, they captivate our mission. And it's this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. 
Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. That's what we get to do. Let's pray. Father, we are in your presence. We are in your goodness. And we say thank you. Thank you for this mission that we get to be a part of. Thank you that you have given us salvation. And thank you that you care about every single one of us, that every single one that we care about more than we do. And so, Father, as I consider this message, I, I take time to pray for every parent, grandparent, adult, who feels that their loved one isn't following you. I pray that they would be reminded of your incredible, immeasurable love you have for that individual, that they would rest assured that you are working to be in relationship with them, that you're after them. And Lord, would you make it clear that it is our part to simply be a sample, to, to display the fruits of the spirit of love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, self-control, so that when we are in relationship with those that have yet to say yes to you, that we would be a sweet aroma to them, that we would be attractive to them, and that we would prioritize the love of Jesus over their lives. That is what we get to do as we consider our loved ones. And Father, if there's anyone here today that maybe they are that child that parents have been praying for, longing to see them come into relationship with Jesus, well, Father, we want to give that opportunity. And so with every head, head bowed down, if there's anyone here today who you are saying, I want to be part of God's family I'm willing to do three things. I'm willing to accept the fact that I have fallen short. I am willing to invite Jesus to be my personal Lord and Savior. And I'm ready to receive the power of the Holy Spirit that enables us to live his way. If that's anyone here today with every head bowed down, I'm just going to raise your hand and I just want to give you a moment to respond. If that's you today, you are ready to accept, invite, and receive all that Jesus has for you. You could just raise your hand and we're going to pray together. If there's anyone in the room ready to make that decision, know that Jesus loves you. He cares for you. He will pursue you all the days of our lives. Father, we thank you for your goodness. Help us to carry this baton so that the next generation can thrive in all your ways. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.